In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and today I'm joined by my veteran colleague, James Salzer, to talk about the latest poll of Georgia voters and what that means for the upcoming runoff election. Thanks for joining us, James. Thanks for having me, buddy. So what do you think, what do you make of this AJC poll of likely Republican voters? So these are people who are actually going to turn out on July 24th for the runoff between Brian Kemp and Casey Cagle. And it's conducted by UGA. And it showed Kemp with a lead 44% to 41% over Cagle. That's within the margin of error of 3.5%, but still shows him in a pretty good position going into next Tuesday's vote. Right, right. And and as as, uh, we've talked about before, uh, a year ago, uh, we would have made... Kegel, pretty heavy favorite, probably to win without a runoff um, because he is, um, has a long um, political history. He's got a lot of contacts are all around the state. He's the, uh, the candidate of the kind of the institutional donors, uh, so he's raised far more money than anybody else. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been a much closer race, particularly since uh, right before the primary, um, than we maybe expected. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, not so long ago, Cagle supporters were talking about an outright win in this five-man Republican primary. Uh, they, they thought he could get the 50% plus one margin he needed to avoid this runoff. He ended up getting 39%, didn't carry, uh, didn't, didn't win his own home county, which, which was a sign of trouble to come. Uh, but also has this huge financial advantage. This is the most expensive race for governor in Georgia history already, and Casey Cagle has raised about a third of all the money total raised, $10.5 bucks. So it is a huge surprise that he hasn't sort of better, effect, more effectively used that cash. Yeah, the, the, the 39% probably was a little bit of a red flag because, as you know, in, in these races, if you, if you get yeah, 45, 46, 47, if you get close to 50%, um, percentages are you, you almost always win the runoffs or, you know, it's, it, there's, there are obviously exceptions, but generally if you get up that high, um, when you get into the 30 percentage points, you know, as a, as a leader, eh, it's a little bit more iffy. Um, and, um, it's been a hard hitting runoff campaign, long, uh, runoff campaign, Grueling. Probably longer than everyone, including us, <laughs> would like it to be. Um, Notes to future legislators. Right, uh, right, right. I think both parties can get to get together and agree on a three-week or four-week runoff next year. <laughs> 
Exactly. It's given him a lot of time. I mean, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if the you know runoff had been used to be what a couple of weeks, uh, three weeks at the most. But this has been you know it's, it's had a lot of time to simmer, and there's been a lot of controversy since the runoff. Um, so that's what's made it the close race. But you know, it, it essentially is a tie. I mean, those, those yeah. numbers within within the margin of error uh, is high, and that what fifteen percent that have are undecided are the ones who uh, are going to decide what's going on. And that's a big, big, huge number, too, because, uh, again, these are voters who are going, who have indicated to our pollster that they are going to vote in July 24th. And so these aren't wishy-washy voters, but they're still undecided. So what happens over the next few weeks? What happened in yesterday's WSB debate? Uh, what happened in uh, the, the debate last week uh, for the Atlanta Press Club? Um, those will help those voters form their final opinions on the candidates. And of course, the last minute barrage of advertising we're sure to see in this race because it's, we're, at, we're at $33 million in counting in, in ads, I mean, in, in, in campaign finance spending. And that number is only going to grow and you're only going to see more TV messaging, social media marketing, uh, door, uh, flyers in your mailboxes, canvassers at your door. It's all coming to a head next week. And then, and I think the figure you're talking about is only what the candidates have raised. It doesn't include um, the, the, I mean, they call them super PACs, not really super PACs, but there's independent groups, so, so-called independent groups that are connected to the uh, to the campaigns who will also be putting out a lot, already have run ads um, in the race. And, and uh, you know, that money's a little bit harder to trace, but, uh, you know. You're on it. We do what we can. <laughs> um, you mentioned the controversies earlier, rocking the race, and at the debates, those those controversies were were front and center. And I, I think the biggest one, um, and and Cagle's uh, been addressing it almost as much as as Kemp has, but it's the secretly made recording of Casey Cagle telling Clay Tippins, who is a former Republican opponent, that he supported quote bad public policy to undercut another rival, Hunter Hill. And, and and prevent him from getting outside funding, outside support in this race. Um, many voters in our poll said trust-related issues were the driving force behind their choice for governor, indicating that this recording is is, is leaving a pretty deep imprint on this race. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and, and it's not – I think it would have been different maybe if it's been the only thing that they're releasing, but then they released another one um, in which um, – the lieutenant governor said something like, uh, the, the, prim- "The primary was all about what the biggest guns and the biggest uh, pickup truck, big and pickup truck, and uh, a race for the craziest, race for the craziest." Say. And um, um, you know, those of us who have watched some of the TV ads that happened before the primary uh, can't necessarily disagree with him on that, but it's not really what you want to hear if you're voting in that runoff. Yeah, because let's talk about the electorate who's voting in this runoff. This is this is this is very different from the general election uh, voters who will come out in November for the for the race between Democratic Stacey Abrams and whoever the Republican is. This is a, a smaller, uh, more conservative, largely more conservative, and probably older electorate uh, than will vote in November. And again, this is we're in the middle of a hot, sticky summer. People are on vacation. People are tuning out of this race. People aren't really as enthused about the runoff as they will be about the general election because, uh, you know, it's not on the top of everyone's mind. And so that's why these two candidates are racing for the conservative flanks, trying to energize those those fewer conservative voters to come out to the polls. Right. And, you know, we, we talked about this uh, earlier. We wrote a story, I think, in April about how um, because of who's voting in this election, 
there are i mean in in the democratic primary it's the same way there are there are people who are going to come out and you have to try to get them uh interested in your issues but we had a story in in april um in the ajc about how even candidates for like secretary of state and some of these other races were one of the first things they were talking about was second amendment because that is an incredibly important issue for a huge percentage of voters in this primary now you know uh, uh, if uh, either lieutenant governor, secretary of state comes out of, well, one of them will come out comes out of this runoff. I, I'd be interested to see how many gun, uh, gun not gun, but uh, ads they have with mm-hmm. pickup trucks and shotguns um, in the general election because uh, um, you know presumably they will have already captured that uh, a lot of those voters. Yeah. And underscore how important the, the gun issue is, is uh, over the weekend, Casey Cagle joined NRA's president-elect Oliver North at three rallies all over the state, one in Kennesaw, one in Savannah, and one in Gainesville, um, just to try to get the Second Amendment so gun rights supporters to the polls for him. And he got the NRA's endorsement. We all remember why. After he vowed to kill a tax break that would benefit Delta Airlines when it cut ties with the NRA. Um, so and the NRA uh, PAC contributed to his campaign, which a lot of people, I think, think, well, the NRA just has boatloads of money and they hand out a lot of checks. That's really not what that organization is necessarily about comparing, in comparison to other PACs. They don't generally dump a bunch of money into, into directly into uh, campaigns. So that was, I thought that was kind of significant, too. Yeah. When, when our pollsters asked voters what issues most motivated them, they didn't largely come up with ideas like gun rights. They didn't really say illegal immigration. Rather, rather they said more broad issues. Um, of Kemp supporters, and this is important because this has to do with the recording, roughly 15% of them said the main reason they're backing him is because they see Kemp as more trustworthy. About one-third say they're voting for him because he shares their values. About one-quarter of Cagle supporters said the same thing, that they're supporting him because he shares their values. One-fifth of his supporters said they voted for him simply because he's the right choice to be governor. And 9% said they backed him over Kemp because he's more likely to defeat Stacey Abrams in November. So you can see a, a decent amount of, of Cagle supporters are, are, are voting for him because he's, they see him as more electable. I, I'm actually surprised that number was that low. When um, you look at nominees for other offices, president example, there was a lot of talk about you know who could beat uh, if you're a Republican, who can beat Hillary Clinton? Um, in every race, there's a, there's a lot of that discussion. And um, I was kind of surprised that either uh, the Secretary of State or Lieutenant Governor, I was surprised that that number wasn't higher because, you know, ultimately um, in the runoff, you're you're voting for that person, but you're also voting, you, you want that person, and if it's, a, if it's a party primary or a runoff, you want that person to be able to, the person most likely to beat the Democrat, right? Or the Democrats want vote person most likely to beat the Republicans. I think it also though, reflects a mood among both parties that they, they're tired of sort of moderates, the sort of squishy conservatives or even squishy Democrats um, who, who get elected and don't end up fighting for the values that they, they, they promised to fight for in the primary. And that's what you're hearing um, from, from voters from both sides at a recent debate Brian Kemp made that argument. He said, look, if Casey Cagle wins, you're going to end up with a John Kerry-like uh, candidate. And, of course, that's a really cutting insult from a Republican going after a fellow Republican saying that. But he's saying that, hey, you know, when I get elected to office, I will do exactly what I promised. And Casey Cagle, as this recording shows, in his view, won't. Uh, and so Casey's really had to, had, to, had to fight back against that, that sort of depiction of him as this 
fake conservative who will say one thing and do the other. So it's kind of, it is kind of like the Democratic race, right? Mm-hmm. So because because the Democratic race was about um, two people, one who had very strong has very strong opinions on um, what it means to be a Democrat and what what issues. Um, she supports, and her, and she had very strong views on things. And was said, "Look, you know, I'm I'm the Democrat. I'm I'm the I'm taking different positions. And like as you said, was for gun control, things like that. That Democrats haven't necessarily been for in these big races. And so, as we've said before, this could be uh, depending on who gets uh, wins the Republican nomination. It could be incredibly uh, polarized." Uh, Two polarized candidates, two candidates who are on the absolutely, you know, ends of the polls. It'll be the biggest gulf between uh, the two candidates we've seen in decades in Georgia, I think, in in terms of of policy. Uh, One more thing about the the governor poll that we should mention, too, is um, we've seen both these candidates play up their loyalty to President Donald Trump throughout the race, even though it's a very nervy topic for both of them, because neither of them were early supporters of, of, of President Trump. They both only backed him really once the nomination process was over. Um, about 21% of Republicans in this poll said their main reason for voting for governor is to support the tr- stronger ally f- to Trump. And voters who said that were evenly split between Cagle and Kemp. So, so both of them have largely been able to kind of take the argument over who's the bigger Trump defender off the table. Right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too because um, I think maybe – uh, considering Brian Kemp's message is, you know, it was, is the equivalent of make Georgia great again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, first. right. I mean, it, it, it's very Trumpian. Um, I would have thought he would do, be doing better on that. But, um, you know, the lieutenant governor's made a comeback on that issue too. I mean, he's, he's been pretty strong in his support for Trump. You don't think of him as what, you know, frankly, you don't think of either one of them as, as particularly Trumpian since both of them have, um, been in political office and have a very good understanding of how how state government works, and they're, they're, you know the the idea that they're outsiders is is uh, is at least quote interesting because neither you know they both been involved in politics a long time and they they're actually very uh, astute in many ways on on state political issues. So um, um, they're not really Trumpian candidates, but you know that doesn't mean you don't you you, you can't. Um, get elected and be a big supporter of the president mm-hmm. just means you're not really a, a kind of an outsider type. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, both of them have offices under the gold dome for at least uh, eight years. Um, so it's hard for them to both say they're outsiders, yeah. even though they're trying. Um, one more uh, part of the poll we're going to talk about before we go is the lieutenant governor's race. Yeah. Uh, remember in the primary, David Schaefer came within a whisker he yep. got about 49% of the vote. He came so close to avoiding a runoff but didn't quite make it. He's in a runoff with former state representative Jeff Duncan. And it's a it's a closer than expected race for their, that one too. Yeah. The, the, the thing about it is I remember the poll polling that was done before the primary. And it was essentially, you know, it, it was, it was uh, almost everybody didn't. Almost everybody was undecided, yeah. you know, right? I mean, it, there wasn't – because it's just, you know, the fact of the matter is it's hard to get attention. I mean, we, all the attention we've given, or a big percentage of it, has been in the governor's race. And I think, you know, it's been hard to get people's attention beyond that. Um, 
it, it, the, the the president and our governor's race, I guess, have flooded the, the, the media market for the most part. Um, so it, it was surprising. I mean, our, our results show a much higher or much closer race than I would have yeah. expected because, as I just said, if you get 49%, you almost always win the runoff. There also is, what, 30% on the side of that. Yeah, I mean, the results are uh, Schaefer leads Duncan 35 to 31. That's just outside the margin of error. Um, so that's a slight lead. And one-third of respondents were undecided. So, uh, again, millions of dollars are being – not as much as the governor's race, but millions of dollars are being spent in that race. We're seeing all sorts of attack ads and 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 friendly pitches and all sorts of things in that race as well. And, um, and Schaefer is uh, – David Schaefer is kind of the Casey Cagle of that race in the sense that um, he has been the one who's gotten all the money for institutional donors and – and lobbyists and, and, you know, the capital crowd, uh, he's raised something like three times as much money as Jeff Duncan. So uh, I'm assuming he's got three times. million dollars plus. Right. He's got three times as much money to spend. And he's got a, there's an outside group that's, uh, well, there's outside groups supporting both of them. I shouldn't just say him. Um, so you would think he would, and plus he's, he is like the, one of the hardest working men in politics. He's, he's got, uh, um, uh, a, a lot of organizations statewide, but you never know. You never I know. I mean, you would think he would put, be able to put a lot of money into it, but you never know. He's got all the structural advantages. He has the NRA support. He has all sorts of outside support and uh, support from grassroots leaders and prominent politicians. But this is, a, this, is the, this is why runoffs are so unpredictable because, as we mentioned earlier, a small group of voters will decide a, a very huge uh, decisions in, in Georgia politics. Well, that is... All for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.